you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming with another super great podcast because that's all we deliver around here. The super great podcast. Why do you listen? Because you're just like, you know what? I listen to the Chris Foss show because it's just super great. It's it's like a step above great, but not too far. But it's just more like super. I don't know. Super is a pretty good step when you're thinking about it. I don't know. Tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, dogs, cats to go ahead and subscribe to the show. I don't know where I make this stuff up every time. Uh, and uh, tell them to go to the CVPN. It's only four letters plus the dot com. I mean, how hard can that be? Unless you have one of those uh, really old folks in your home. They put that WWW in front of it on you know, everything. You ever have that? They're always like, uh, hey, you should go check out that website. What is it, mom? www dot you know but i love we love our moms anyway guys uh tell them to go to the website or chris foss podcast network you can see all nine podcasts subscribe to them there go to youtube.com for just chris foss hit that bell notification so you can see the video version it's the latest technology out in 2020 there it's a uh, free for unlimited time on youtube you can also go to facebook.com for slash the chris foss show and uh you can see a bunch of groups over there too if you search as well as linkedin also uh, goodreads.com for chess Chris Voss. You can see what we're reading over there, what we're reviewing, and all that good stuff. And this episode is brought to you by IFI Audio and their new Neo IDSD. The Neo is the new wave of digital sound listening for your desktop, music, gaming, and bleeding edge Bluetooth, even MQA audio file decoding. Uh, we're using it in the studio right now. I've loved my experience with it so far. It just makes everything sound so much more richer and better and takes things to the next level. IFI Audio is an award-winning audio tech company with one aim in mind, to improve your music enjoyment of quality sound, eradicate noise, distortion, and hiss from your listening experience. Check out their new incredible lineup of DACs and audio enhancement devices at ifi-audio.com. Jen Sincero, she is a best-selling author, success coach, and motivational speaker who spent more than a decade traveling the world helping people transform their lives and their bank accounts via her public experiences, coaching products, and books, including the number one New York Times bestseller, You Are a Badass, How to Stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life and she is here with her newest book badass habits cultivate the awareness boundaries and daily upgrades you need to make them stick welcome to the show how are you jen i am good how are you awesome sauce give us your plugs so people can go look at your amazing content online my website is www just kidding jen <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> jensincero.com j-e-n-s-i-n-c-e-r-o.com or you can go to you are a badass.com and they will take you to the same place that is awesome jen check her out she's got a prolific badass series that she has online and you know what jen i think you win the award for being the first guest that we've had out of like what are we like so, almost 700 episodes uh who's ever played off of the improv at the front so 
I don't know. There should be like an award. We'll have to work on one yeah. when we do our annuals or something. So uh, give I us the, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I always make some crap up to, to kind of, you know, make it fun, but you, you, you're the first person to play off that. So uh award to you. Um, we'll see you. if we can dig something up to mail to you. Uh, so uh, give us a, a what, what motivated you want to write this book before we get into it? How did you write the habits book? Yes. Badass habits. Yes. Well, I've written, uh, you are a badass, you are a badass at making money, you are a badass every day, and all of those were sort of dealing with getting your emotional and thoughts and beliefs and all that kind of stuff in check so that you can start living an awesome life. And habits, if you, you know, if you don't have good habits, but you've got all these thought processes sort of locked down, you're not going to get very far. So it was kind of the next obvious step to take in the series of of stuff that I was writing about. And so uh, I, I guess a side question I'll throw in here. So a good successful life usually probably requires good habits. Exactly. Yeah. There and it just sort of puts everything on autopilot that I've been talking about for years. So I was super psyched to write this because I think it's a really, really important step in the self-betterment department. So and there you go. I've never, yeah. I, I, you know, come to think of it, I've never met a lot of people who have really bad habits, like stuff that ends up in prison, things like that, that, mm-hmm. that have a very successful life. So clearly there is a, there yeah. is a connection there. Uh, so give us an overview of this latest book that you have out, Badass Habits. Well, I, you know, there's no lack of awesome habit books out in the world right now, but I wanted to write one that was hopefully more entertaining and funny and curse wordy and stuff like that sort of my brand of writing. But I also um, really wanted to write a book that wasn't just going to tell you about how to change your habits, but rather that was going to tell you how to change your habits and set up good boundaries and give you all these tips, but also have you do it while you're reading the book. Cause I'm a coach and I like people to get their poop in a scoop while, you know, while I'm helping them. So that was the one thing that I sort of felt missing was missing in a lot of the habit stuff that I was seeing was, you know, a lot of them gave some great, great information, but it was like, you know, you read it and then you put the book away and do you actually change anything? I don't know. So in this, the second half of my book is a 21 day course of sorts that you implement all the stuff from the first half of the book, but you get little, it's like a drip system. You get little bits of information on day one, day two, day three. And by the end of the book, Hopefully you've got, you know, a real leg up on this habit that you're trying to do. And I love that you have that in the book because one of the problems people have is, you know, we, we that, that, uh, that New Year's syndrome, resolution syndrome, where we all go, I'm going to change everything. And like day two, you wake up in a puddle of whatever and whatever you've been drinking and you're like, that didn't work out at all. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that puddle. I never want to wake up in that puddle again. I used to, you know, I, I used to do that on New Year's where I'd be like, I'm going to not drink anymore. But you're like, this is my last champagne. You wake right? up the next morning with a hangover and you're like, this is a bad omen for the rest of this year. Well, I think that's the problem when you make that kind of declaration, then it gives you free license to do it like you've never done it before. And then if you keep not quitting, you actually make it worse because you keep celebrating the night before you allegedly are going to quit. And then it just, you've created a bigger problem than you had in the first place. It's by not trying to quit. Yeah. Or like people that do that. I, I, I've met a lot of people that do that. And I might've been guilty of it from time to time. Like you're like, I'm going to go on a diet. As soon as I finish half this cheesecake, like the whole pie, cake pie, 
And then you're mm-hmm. like, whatever, whatever. So uh, give us an idea of some of the content of, of your book and some of the, some of the advice that you give to readers. Hmm. Well, one of the things that I really focus on in the book is if you want to change your habits, you've got to change your identity. And I think, cause you know, most, and it is important to change what you're actually doing, the actions you're taking. But if you don't identify as the kind of person who already embodies this habit, you're making it a hell of a lot harder for yourself. So for example, if you want to quit smoking, let's say you've smoked your whole life and you're a smoker, right? When you go to quit, you're basically coming from a place of um, a smoker who's trying to quit. But if instead you decide, you know what, I am a healthy person who loves my body, who takes great care of my body, who has pink, sprightly young lungs. You know, if you come at it from that perspective, what it does is it knocks out the opportunity for what I call the negotiation process, which is, you know, you go out one night, you get real boozy and you're like, I'm just going to have one cigarette. Like it's not going to kill anything. Like it's one stupid cigarette. If you're a smoker who's trying to quit, that negotiation makes sense. If you're somebody who's healthy and takes great care of your body and has pink sprightly lungs, that conversation doesn't even enter your mind because it has nothing to do with who you are. It's like it's like waking up every morning and negotiating whether you're going to drink a bottle of vodka. Like if that's not who you are, that doesn't even happen. So embodying, you know, setting out some specifics of what a person who is healthy and who takes great care of their body, how do they walk? Who do they hang out with? What do they think about? What do they talk about? Where do they place their focus? What do they do when somebody who's smoking a cigarette walks by? You know, who is that person? You start getting the specifics clear in your mind and you start doing those things to make it a lot easier to make the habit happen. And I saw some of this in some of your interviews. You're talking about identity and some of the importance of it and a lot of different things. Um, <clears throat> so does it need to be like a virtual sort of uh, mafia witness protection program where you've got to like basically just get yourself out of your 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 whole identity and image of yourself and you've got to just become a new person? I mean, I'm thinking about I, doing that with COVID I love right the now. witness witness protection is a great way to put it. If you need to, yeah. <laughs> uh you know, as best as you can, you, it's it's kind of like fake. It is faking it till you make it, you know, we, but the thing is our identities are all made up by us in the first place anyway. So why the hell not make up a new one that actually benefits you? That's you know, very empowering. These, what? That's very empowering that you say that. Cause I, I, I didn't really ever make that distinction that we're in control of making our own identity. So, Hey, stupid, make another one. Right. It's really funny. It's like when you start looking at all this stuff and breaking it down and, you know, that's why they say awareness is the first step in self-transformation because once you become aware of all the crap that you've been buying into, you can change it. You know, it's, it's, we make it, we make a lot of drama out of stuff. I'm not saying that it's overnight and the second you're aware of it, you have now conquered all your issues, but it's also not as hard as we're pretending it is. It definitely is. And some of the different ways that I've transformed in my life, uh, it's usually becoming aware of it and then kind of getting a little deep in it where I understand, you know, why do I think this way? And, uh, and what, what, what led me down those pathways? But I love what you talk about with identity. And then uh, one of the other things I heard you talk about was, was how sometimes that's hard for people around us. 
like, uh, you know, people don't want us to change. Uh, sometimes those are, those are really deep in relationships that we might have or marriages or whatever your relationships are. Um, and, and people have a hard time when we say, Hey, I'm going to change this. And they're like, wait, you're changing who you are and your identity. And this is the person I felt. And sometimes they feel challenged by that. Yeah, it's a, it's a super common problem. It's probably the most common question I get asked at all my talks. Like, what do you do when the people around you don't support you? And you're right, like it, it threatens them and it challenges them. And you're basically killing off the identity of somebody that they know and love. And people tend to get pretty grouchy when you kill the people they love. So you're, you're not only changing, you know, changing that relationship that they're comfortable with, but you're also showing them because we tend to hang out, you know, when you hang out with people or when you've got people in your life, it's a very comfortable, familiar zone that you're in and you're making everything very uncomfortable and unfamiliar for them. And you're also showing them, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose 30 pounds or I'm going to get married or I'm going to make a lot of money or I'm going to start my own business. And basically by saying that you're saying to them, not out loud, but you're saying, if I can do it, you can do it because we're sort of samesies. We hang out, we do the same things. And if I'm going to transform myself this way, it means you can too. And a lot of times people get really great. It's kind of like giving them unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. So that's why they get really, you know, worried for you and tell you all the reasons it's not going to work and make fun of you and stuff like that. Cause they're, they're not psyched. And you're also challenging their concept of what is true and real. So if life is this certain way and they believe that you can and can't do these things and that my friends are this certain way and you change that, people get really, really freaky about that. And I like how you say that where people really are attached to that identity. Like I, I've had times where I've been in relationships where I just got sick of me. Like I got sick of putting on weight, feeling unhealthy. And so I, I started working out and and, and it had nothing to do with, uh, I'm going, you know, I want to get in shape so I can leave you sort of mentality, but I've had girlfriends that are like, wait, are you, what you're working out now? And yeah, you're just, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a miserable, I'm a horrible person, especially in a relationship because I'm miserable. So I'm going to try and be healthy so that, you know, maybe we'll have a future together because, you know, I won't die tomorrow of, of everything I'm doing. And it's interesting how people sabotage you, like in what right? we talk about, to, to continue in that thing. They'll be like, oh, he's going on a diet? Mm, I'm going to feed him fat, fattier foods and, and you know, bring sweets home more. And and, um, and it doesn't even have to be someone you're in a close relationship with. There's, there's a lot of people that, uh, yeah, I know sometimes my friends, I mean, I had this problem in 2015 where I was like, wait, half my friends are, uh, you know, have some issues. Um, and, and so... Uh, you know, a lot of that comes around identity. I mean, even, even like with my social media, there's a social media identity where if it goes against it, I, I you get kicked to the curb because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm not hanging out with those people. Um, right. So, you know, it's really interesting. Should, should people sit down and do a inventory of their, of their identity and go, what are my identities with my children, my significant other, my friends and different things like that? Yeah. Absolutely, because it's all about specifics. And it's when we, we, you know, lots of times we want to change and we want to make more money and we want to get healthier, but we don't get into the specifics of how much money we want to make, how, 
how we, how much weight we want to lose, what specific foods we want to eat, what we don't want to eat. And if you don't get specific, you make it really hard on yourself, right? It's really hard to accomplish a vague goal, but if you get into specifics, you know what you're doing, you know? So, and, and so it can, and same thing with identity, like sitting down and just getting into a couple specifics of like, how does a successful person who's got the income I want to have, how do they speak about money? What do they do? What do they drive? Who do they hang out with? How do they hold themselves? You know, it's like, what are they reading? You know, getting specific about it really helps you make the change you want to make. Yeah, that's why I like hanging out with authors and having them on the shows because they're really smart. They put, a, you know, hundreds of hours in the research of what they've done. And so they can come on my show in an hour. I'm just uh, as smart as they are <laughs> or not really. Uh, <laughs> no, I love I love I never have really thought about this in 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 all 53 years. I never sat down and thought about doing an inventory of my identities and what they are and and stuff like that. I mean, I have the different uh, passports and IDs that I, I found. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I'm still, you know, I can't talk about what I did in New York in my early life, but uh, according to the FBI and uh, killing off uh, identities of people uh, who love me, um, the judge says I can't do that anymore. So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, but no, this seems like a really brilliant thing. I like how this uh, you've you've given me a, an epiphany, if you will. Excellent. So mm-hmm. we go for around here. Yeah, epiphany. Yep. There you go. <laughs> so, um, so, so this is a great way people can get into that. You know, uh, we had uh, the one obesity code author on. I forget his name off the top of my head. I hope he forgives me. We've had him on for about three of his books. Uh, it, it, he he talks a lot about fasting and losing weight. But one of the things that he uh, mention was don't tell people you're changing uh, because they'll sabotage you. What, how, what's your opinion on that? I agree with him. If it's somebody, you know, who's not going to support you. I mean, I got plenty of friends who do a cartwheel every time, you know, buy me a cake and you know, whatever, whenever I do something great. And so those are the people that I share my successes with my ideas with, you know, And then the people who, you know, heap all their worry and make fun of me or, you know, try and tear me down. I just don't tell them about stuff. And sometimes I need to remove them from my life. You know, I've definitely lost some people along the way, but you can't, you can't please everybody. And I sure as hell am not going to shrink down and not do the stuff that I'm really excited about doing on my one and only shot on planet earth, just so you don't freak out on me. So you know, come along for the ride. And then, and then it makes more room for meeting new people who are, you know, inspiring to you and, you know, lifting you up and stuff. You, you, you know, you, uh, here's some more epiphanies I'm getting from you. Uh, you know, maybe you need to do an inventory of your friends and say, who is really uplifting me? Who's taking me new places? I mean, life is a, is a, uh, is a journey of reinvention and learning and, and, and it's so amazing some of the different roads we or ways that we re- reinvent ourselves. But uh, maybe we do need to take more stock of our friends, especially when we're invoking the change that you uh, talk about in your book, where we do an inventory of who are the people around us, who surrounds us, and are they supporting us and, and going so far. You know, I, I with my relationships, I was always looked at people and I'm like, grow and be who you are. But there are times where I've been like, whoa, 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 where are you going with this? And sometimes I'm resistant to it, but I eventually go down the road with them and realize that maybe I should be on that journey too with them. Uh, but there are some people that they definitely hold us down because we can't, 
because I the epiphany is I realized that not only do we have our own identities in our head, but these people have an identities and, and these will compete. Yeah. And I wrote a whole thing in Badass Habits about how we love to be right, how it's so interesting that we would so much rather be right than happy. And I talk about this in all my books, but this one I go much deeper into it because the need to be right. So you, for, and, and a lot of this happens so unconsciously, we don't even realize we're doing it. But so think about it like, you know, let's say that you've, you know, tried to stop drinking forever and you just keep going back and whatever. And so you've sort of decided that it's really hard for me to quit drinking. That's your thing, right? So anybody who suggests like, well, why don't you give AA a try? You know what? I've tried for 30 years, quit drinking, nothing works. We will defend even the crap that makes us so unhappy just because we need to be right. Because we need to know that there's that familiarity again. You know, we, 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 it's so interesting how terrified humans are of change and the unknown because that's consistent all the time. But we cling to this rightness uh, because it makes us feel safe. And we, and we'll cling, you know, that's why people stay in relationships, like abusive relationships and jobs they hate and, and all this stuff, just because it's familiar and it's quote unquote, this, the safety comfort zone when it's just, you know, not. <laughs> Sometimes it's some of that laziness where we're just like, ah, oh, change. Oh, it sounds like a whole big job thing. Like it's going to be a pain in the butt to Would do and I'm too lazy. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what? The thing is, is you don't even realize how much energy it takes to stay in a life that is so lame. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, you've got to work hard sometimes. Certainly you have to do stuff that scares the crap out of you. Definitely. But it's exciting too. like, I mean, and believe me, I am a great like world class napper. I like lying around, I, you know, I, can, I get my lazy on like nobody's business. But I also really love kicking ass and I love doing the thing, you know, I love being alive and having adventures and doing stuff that scares me and challenging myself and growing. And, and I think there's a balance for everybody. You don't have to be doing that all the time. I mean, how exhausting is that? But I also, after a while, you know, the couch, you get bed sores, right? Yeah. So it's, it's both. The older I get, the more those naps, man, are, are everything. Oh, God. I used to tease my old man, we, me and my brother would be like, you're dead, you're silly, you're always sleeping and stuff. And he's probably, now I realize he was trying to get away from us, but uh, I can't blame <laughs> him. God bless him. Uh, so what are some, uh, what are some good steps people can uh, take that you advise in your book? Maybe some just, we don't want to give people the whole book, maybe a, a couple of good first steps they can take and utilize. Well, I think the first step is always awareness. So once you sort of, if there's some habit, there's, you know, and I always think always starting from where, what do you complain about the most? You know, <laughs> that would be a good place to start something. Be aware of mind. what you complain awareness about most. Yeah. Yeah. Come aware of what you complain about the most. I mean, you know, my big transformation was around money. I complained about having no money for like 40 straight years. So I started with that. Uh, and so become aware of what you complain about most and then become aware of what your beliefs, thoughts, and words are around that thing that you complain about the most and then start questioning it, right? So with mm -hmm. money, for me, I was like, it's really hard for me to make money. I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. Uh, money is evil and gross people are the ones who make lots of it. Um, you know, I wouldn't know what the hell to do with money if I had any anyway. 
And then you start looking at all of these things that you've been saying and believing. And literally, the more you say and believe and think things, it creates like a rut, like on a on an LP record. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. And so yes. the longer it digs a hole. Look at this deeper, face. <laughs> I know. Deeper it digs in. And the more grounded it becomes in your identity, right? And that's why we believe this stuff to be the quote unquote truth. So when you decide to change a way of being, you have to come up with new thoughts, beliefs, and words and actions and put those on repeat and repeat and repeat, which is why one of the first things I have in the book is to rewrite your mantra around whatever this habit is. So back in the day, my mantra was, I can't afford it. I said it a hundred thousand times a day. And the first, the first day of the 21 days is the longest explanation. I mean, I made, I made each day really short, by the way, too. I'm super impatient. And I really just like to give people what the hell they need to know instead of going on and on. So every day is really short so that you can spend the time working on your habit. But the first day, the mantra day is a little long because it's a pretty important process. And the important thing about it is you've got to make sure that the, the words that you come up with are really emotionally charged and exciting to you. So I went from, I can't afford it, to money flows to me easily and freely. So again, it's about the emotion. You do not have to believe it at first because money sure as hell was not flowing to me easily and freely when I wrote that. But one of the things that was so painful for me about being broke was feeling stuck and feeling like it was hard and feeling like I sucked at it. So having money flow to me easily and freely just released all that and, uh, and, changed my energy around it. It is interesting how we build these belief systems, almost like little teeny religions where we, we mm-hmm. have all these reasonings behind it. Uh, when I, uh, when I got serious about losing weight, I, I took and, uh, started, you know, going through the awareness process. I was really sick of everything and I'm like, I'm just going to change. And I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just sick of it. And, and so I started looking at awareness and, and thinking about, how I process things. And a lot, a lot of it went back to childhood. You know, a lot of people have that, like what you say about money, they have that reasoning, you know, they were with their mom, their mom was uh, strapped or sometimes mom just doesn't want to buy you the Reese's pieces, uh, peanut butter cereal that she knows you're going to be bouncing off the walls at home for. And so she just, you know, uses the excuse, well, we don't have enough money. And you're like, Oh, okay. It's like that. It's like that shutdown uh, thing that mom gives you sometimes. And so, a lot of people grow up with that thinking, okay, well, we don't have money. Um, you know, well-meaning parents who go eat everything on your plate, well-meaning parents who, who go, um, who, who say, uh, here's a reward. Here's a popsicle. Cause you were good at the store. I mean, for years I would go to the store and I'd be like, ah, as I check out, I'm going to get that big ass Coke and the big ass Snickers bar. And it's not good for me, but it's a reward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I it's all about parents that. for sure. I got thinking about that and talking to some of my online people that I was going through this uh, with and, and I'm like a reward. How's a reward of, you know, shoving giant sticks of sugar in your face. Like that's not helping. (laughs) (laughs) And so I love what you, what you described there where you, you, you get in the awareness of what you're doing and you look at the belief systems you have behind them. Uh, What was interesting to me about one of the uh, things that you mentioned was it's interesting how we demonize people that 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 either maybe or what we want to attain, whether it's being more rich. Oh, well, rich people are jerks. Um, or 
people work out are jerks. Look at those losers always in the gym and, you know, get a life or something, you know, whatever your sort of uh, being or your, your belief system that you built around that is. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? And, 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 and we don't even consider it. We just take it as truth. So that's why awareness is so powerful because you're like, you know what? I actually don't believe that. That's something my mother told me over and over and over or that my father did every day, you know, and we just sort of like, doop, doop, doop. so it's once you get knocked out of that sort of stupor that you're in and make choices about what you're going to believe that you empower yourself. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. It's, and, and again, like, I just remember when I was starting out this process of, you know, getting into self-helpery and all this stuff, I kept reading over and over about awareness and it's all about your beliefs, thoughts, and words. And I was like, come on, man, there's no way there's gotta be like, I can't just change my beliefs, thoughts, and words. And then it's a unicorn's (laughs) going to appear. You know, I was like, I cannot have been living in a garage at the age of 40, just being such a loser about money all this time. And all I do is change my beliefs, thoughts, and words. And lo and behold, but you know, you get to a point where you're so desperate, you'll even do that. I'll change my beliefs. God damn it. Um, well, it's good. It's, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I, I grew up with my father. I remember that was one of the first times I think I just, I grew up with my father. Don't lose people. Well, some people don't grow up with their father. Um, they, but uh, I remember growing up with my father and we grew up in Beverly Hills. Um, and my parents, they rented, a, a, well, they didn't rent apartments. They managed the apartments in Beverly Hills. And uh, it was on the edge of uh, Beverly Hills, about two blocks off of uh, um, the Man Theater. Well, it used to be the Man Theater's Co-op Theater, I think now. I, I think they filed bankruptcy. But we lived down the block from uh, the guy who ran the prices Right. And we used to walk the dog with him. And so me going through my whole experience of life was, seeing Bentleys, BMWs, and expensive cars on every corner. I mean, I just thought it was normal. But my father drove VW buses. <laughs> and I used to say to him, I used to say, look at that nice car over there, Dad. And he goes, the bank owns it. They don't really own that car. They're just front. Uh-huh. It's just the bank owns it. And I would take that as fact. And I would be like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I don't know why he's doing that. My dad never makes that clear. But I guess that's why we're better than them. I don't know, my dad, you know, you're like five, <laughs> you just believe it. Um, and then, you know, I, and he owned like three one time. My dad was a real hoarder. And so he had like three of these shitty beat up VWs. And this is back when they were kind of new in the 60s, you know, and, everybody, you know, all the beatniks were driving them. Those and, ones were cool, though, back in the 60s. They kind of were cool. We had the camper yeah. one. So we'd go down Those to the Soquito Beach and, you know, my now. mom loved yeah. it to take us and get us out of her hair at the beach. But, um, you know, but I would always ask him, you know, I, I, I would see these nice cars and I'd be like, why? And so uh, after this went on for, I don't know, a year or two or something, one day I asked him, I go, well, does the bank own your car, dad? What'd he say? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yeah, but it's not the same thing. And I go, well, I don't, you know, I'm just trying to understand it. Like, why isn't the same thing? It's just, it's different. <laughs> that was that was the way my dad was. He that's was helpful. But that's when I started realizing, you know, these belief systems that people have and how it locks them in. And you know, of course, later, I as I got a little bit older, I'm like, well, the bank owns every car, so why do those guys own those BMWs and Mercedes? And my dad likes his little VWs, even though the bank owns them every time. So, um, you know, people need to look at these belief systems, and you meet so many people that 
they'll talk about change and you probably had this in your coaching where they're like, I want to change. I want to lose weight or I want to get more money and blah, blah, blah. I want to do this. And you're like, well, let's do that. And they're like, yeah, but people like they, they do this and they, I don't know about if I want to become that. And I guess you really have to make those conscious choices is how much important is writing stuff down of what you're advising in the book and, and changing your life and putting it on paper, make a commitment to it. I think it's really important for some people I, you know, it really depends what it is and who you are. Um, But I think it's a really helpful tool because a lot of times what happens when you're journaling, if you, you know, I have this exercise where you write a letter to money and you are a badass at making money Hmm. because a lot of times, you know, most people are like, if I said, Hey, I'm just going to give you $10,000. You'd be like, so weird. You wouldn't, you know, that'd be great. However, subconsciously you may believe that rich people are scumbags that uh if you make a lot of money you won't be able to keep it like you'll have you'll think like i'll take all the money you'll give me but you also have a lot of negative beliefs around money so when you write this letter and you really go free form and you really make yourself just keep going um the nice thing about writing is in the moment you're writing it down and then when you read it back you're like holy crap i didn't even know i felt that way so I think, you know, as opposed to just thinking things through, thoughts can get lost and, you know, belief systems are so strong that you may not even notice them. But when it's written down on the page and staring back at you, uh, it can be a really powerful tool. How important, let me, let me ask you this, because uh, like one of my journeys, I grew up poor. Obviously, my dad liked v, VWs. <laughs> uh, we were in Beverly Hills because he managed the apartments. Um, but uh uh, how important is it to try and balance the other aspects of your life at the same time or at once? Uh, I grew up poor. I thought becoming rich and getting all those BMWs and Rolls Royces that I'd seen all my life was important. I became CEO, built my first companies at 18, um, got what I, some people would call rich and successful, I suppose. Um, and I still was unhappy. And I was really messed up and broken inside from a lot of different things, probably, you know, like everyone else going back from childhood. Um, how important is it to try and raise all boats uh, at the same time or trying to make sure there's a balance there? Because certainly if you set, I I don't know, maybe if you, if you set goals thinking, well, this is going to make me happy and you get there and, and you're not happy, maybe you should be raising that boat as well along with it. I don't know. It's a great question. I think, I think, you know, they, they always say, you know, especially with business, like starting your own business is the best personal development course you can ever take because, you know, I mean, every issue you've got comes flying in your face about being abandoned, about being successful, about, you know, delegating, you know, everything, money, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think it's all connected anyway. So, you know, you starting this company and getting rich and doing all this stuff and you're still broken inside, you'd still be broken if you were broken drinking beer for breakfast, you know, like it's oh, is there something wrong with beer for breakfast. Well, not really. I mean, note just, to self, Jen says <laughs> beer is bad for breakfast, <laughs> especially in COVID era. <laughs> we're all doing right now. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. We all get, we, we can all have beer for breakfast during COVID. That's one of the great yeah. gifts of COVID. <laughs> Um, anyway, but you know, it, uh, we've all got so many areas of our lives to work on. That's, you know, life would be so boring, I guess, if we didn't. So there's always going to be something that's tanking in your life or that needs a facelift. So, 
but you can only work on so much at once. And I'm a pretty big believer of staying focused on one thing so you can at least get some momentum going with it. Because if you fragment and try and fix everything at once, you will fix nothing, you know? So you've got to focus and, and get some traction, but, um, but you know, you've got to, you got to have balance as well. Yeah. I think, I think, I think it's important um, that or spending, I don't know, uh, as many years in therapy as you possibly can looking back yeah. at 50 plus I'm, I'm looking back going, I should have probably spent some time in therapy some somewhere along those lines <laughs> or reading your books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can learn more and everything else. Uh, what have we covered that's in your books? We want to tell people about to tease them to go out and buy this book. This is good. I have a whole chapter on boundary setting, which I think, um, yeah, which I have to say it was so funny when I was, talking to my editor about writing this book on habits. I had a habits online course years ago and I was like, I got to write this book. So I want to put all this stuff in it. But then I was like, you know, but I also would love to write, write you are a badass at boundaries because I don't know about you. You said you're 53. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 55. And I was like, there was something about when I hit 50, everything got so much easier. Like saying no, got so much easier doing what I wanted, letting people screw up their own lives letting them have that as their problem unless they ask me for help got so much easier instead of feeling like I needed to fix everybody. And I remember my dad, he's an Italian immigrant with a really thick accent and I can't speak like about him without using his accent. So that's why I'm going to say this the way I say it now. But he was like, you know, I don't know if you get older and and wiser or older and more tired. And I was like, that's it. Like you just, you don't have the energy for the drama once you hit 50. And it's such a gift, you know? So I found that I got really good. I know. I make my dad sound like an Indian immigrant. I realize my brother does a much better accent. Oh, I was laughing at, you know, what you were saying about how, uh, you know, why am I making my life miserable with all this bullshit? I'm just so tired. I, I realize actually that's now why I'm the same way. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I will not invite you over if I don't want you over. I will kick you out. I will make you dinner if I want to. I will not make you dinner if I don't. Like, I don't. I don't have so much energy to give like second guessing what you want, worrying if you don't like me. I mean, listen, I've still got some of that, but there was something about hitting 50 anyway. So when I was, when I was writing badass habits, I was talking to my editor. I was like, I really, I really want to write you are badass at setting awesome boundaries or something. She goes, but boundaries and habits. Like if you don't have good boundaries, you're going to have crappy habits. I was like, Eureka. So I wrote a whole chapter on them. And I also want to say for all you youngsters out there listening, you can do it in your 20s too, but I just didn't realize it was a thing. So you guys can have an awesome jump start on all this if you want. You don't have to wait till your hip hurts to get fitted boundaries. But um, anyway, so I wrote this whole chapter on boundaries and, uh, and it was super fun. And I saw some of your discussions on this in different podcasts when I was researching you. And that, that was one something I want to talk about because um, I love this idea because boundaries are so important because also that's part of identity. When you're young, uh, this, those stupid young people, <laughs> uh, when you're young, you know, your friends and, and people you have, or you're so bound to them because they're a, a really um, part of your identity. I mean, that's kind of how you've been raised and you're, you're kind of still searching at who you are. But as you get older, you start to cement who you are and you start setting more boundaries. And And I think this is really important because I think boundaries is, is like you probably write in your book, so tied to identity. And, of course, people who don't want you to change 
don't want you to lose weight, work out, you know, make more money, whatever your, whatever your goal is. Um, people who don't want you to do that are going to interfere with you because it's their identity too. But those, those boundaries are so important. And and I think as you just get older, you're just like, you know, I don't need these people to live. I've been fortunate enough where I've been betrayed by enough friends or business partners or different things over the years where I've realized that, that I don't need to be friends with everybody. I don't need to, well, I have a huge fan base on social media, but I don't need to be like, they're not coming over for dinner sort right. of thing. Like you mentioned. Um, but I think this is really important. What's a good way to analyze, uh, the boundaries that you have and maybe, and maybe, uh, reassess them or set them or, mm. or tell people get the hell out of your life, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love what you said about how it is so locked into identity because it literally is the boundary of where you end and the rest of the world begins. I mean, that is what a personal boundary is. And so, yeah, I mean, I talk, I, I sort of talked about three basic kinds of boundaries. There's a whole bunch of different kinds, but I did the most mm. common ones, you know, the, the one where the boundary where you say yes to everything when you really want to say no, which is mm. the most common, especially for the ladies. Like we, I'm, my God. Anyway, that's a biggie. There's also the, the boundary where you say no to everything because you're scared and you're, you know, locked up and you need to sort of crack it open and start saying a few more yeses. And the third kind of boundary I talked about was where you either try to totally control somebody else's life and get so gooey enmeshed in theirs, or you let other people just take over your life and don't stand up for yourself in that department. So, um, you know, I th- and I think we all, depending on who we're dealing with, participate in all of these lovely boundary issues. So, you know, it really, you know, you have different relationships with different people. So we can all certainly bounce back and forth between those. Um, and, and, and so, you know, again, it's awareness, it's becoming really aware of where you're sucking at it. And honestly, it's like, where are you unhappy? Who are you unhappy with? And taking responsibility for your relationships and being like, well, maybe I think that person is an overbearing bitch because I never say no to her, you know, like maybe I need to set a boundary and I haven't been clear about my needs and she's just rolling with what I put out, you know? So it really is a lot about taking personal responsibility. And, and I think a really important thing, especially with the saying no boundary, is understanding that you're not a big, bad, mean person for doing it and you're not cutting people off. You're actually doing everybody a favor because when you are not clear about your needs in any of these, you what does that cause? A whole lot of resentment um walking on eggshells like nobody really knows what's going on passive aggressiveness like you know why is somebody so grouchy every time I come over because they're pissed at me because they set a bad boundary because they didn't tell me they don't want me to come over it's like everybody loses so in the initial setting of the boundary it might be a little tough because you've always been a doormat and now you refuse to be a doormat so the people who've been enjoying wiping their feet on you now have nowhere to wipe their feet but if they love you and respect you and want you to flourish, then they'll get it and everybody will be better for it. You know, it's an interesting, interesting thing. I think this is a really important topic, especially uh, enmeshed with everything that you've talked about with, you know, changing your habits and stuff. And you you have to address these things. Um, I know a lot of people, 
you know, they, they struggle with boundaries. They struggle with friendships. Well, I don't want to be mean. Um, but then they don't realize how destructive those people are in their life and how much sometimes they're sabotaging them. I mean, I've been guilty at sometimes being the saboteur with some of my friends and stuff. Don't get married. It's a death thing. You know, I'm like that. Sometimes that Vince Vaughn guy. And, and I think it was, was an old school where I'm standing at the altar like run, you can run. Um, you know, I, and sometimes my friends get married and then I realize I have to change my identity to, okay, I have to accept that they're married and, you know, if they want to spend the rest of their life and happy, that's their business. I'm just being funny. No, I'm not. Um, anyway, uh, but no, I've, I, a lot of my friends, it's kind of funny. I have a, I have a really tight group of friends that I've, I've really, I, 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 pur- I started purifying my friends a few, well, a while ago. I sound like I'm in a cult, huh? Um, well, because you're really, old and tired. You don't have time yeah, to hang. Exactly. I love this. I've only figured out why, but you know, I started, I started really going, you know what? I want quantity around me. I want quantity people, quality, pe- quantity. <laughs> I, I still do that, <laughs> but I want quality people close to me. And so I started really looking at their integrity levels, um, whether good, bad or people or whether I would, uh, you know, people have different rules for that, I suppose. But I really looked at, you know, the the goodness to humanity sort of people. Can I trust them? Uh, Trust was an important thing for me. Honesty, people that are trying to do good in the world, at least they try. and so I really kind of assessed that and, and, and gave that and, and set up some boundaries to where if you don't fit that mold, you know, uh, we'll associate together. I'll say hi to you on the street, but, you know, I'm not going to loan you money. Or you're not going to come over to the house. But I think I think these are real important points with boundaries to to help set those forth because those are the people who who, you know, are usually either interfering or helping us with our identity. I remember. um uh, a couple of my girlfriends over the years, they would come home and, and they would just, they would go off on their girlfriends. And I'd be like, well, why do you hang out with that person? Because you clearly just complain about them all the time. And like, like, I don't think you realize how much it is. Sometimes I break them out of the habit. They, they come home and talk about coworkers that were always working against them or uh, girlfriends that were working against them. And I'd just be like, well, let's go kill them. Let's just, I mean, you've complained about this for a year now, so let's just go murder them. We'll put them in a grave. And they'll be like, you know, reverse psychology, basically. I didn't really ever murder anybody. Wink, wink. Um, the, uh, and, and they'll be like, no, no, I, I don't, I know, I don't hate her. And you're like, well, girl, I'm, I'm trying to feed it back to you that you do. Like, and maybe you just need to cut those people out of your life, set some boundaries, and maybe go find some better friends. You don't yeah. have to complain about all the time. I don't know. Good point. But you know, and that's it. It's like, they're not even aware. It's like, that was usually how I'd break them too. I'd just be like, let's go murder them. And I'd I'd be like, let me explain something to you. You talk about your friends. Like I talk about enemies that I want to murder. Like (laughs) there's something wrong there. So maybe you need some boundaries. You need new identities. It's interesting how we tie ourselves to the same people uh, all of our lives. Marriage. Uh, and, uh, sorry, I got to keep being that joke now. Um, and, and, and we don't change. I mean, sometimes recycling different people in our lives or, or coming up with some new, and a lot of people do this, they go, I want to get divorced and become some new, I want to leave you and become something new. I mean, that's pretty much my whole dating life really when it comes down to it from their end. Uh, <laughs> anyway, enough single and married jokes. Uh, anything more we need to know about the book, Jen, before we go out? No, what else do we need to know about the book? It's really good. Yeah. I got a story about I'm six one mm-hmm. about you know being six foot one and being forced to play varsity basketball when I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Pretty horrifying. Was it horrifying? You got to tell us the story. You've teased it now. 
Well, uh, yeah, because I was really, you know, when you grow that tall, that fast, you use the balance doesn't usually come with it. And I'm still waiting for that piece of the puzzle, actually. But um, yeah, and just talking about how I had this coach who was really persuasive, who talked me into like being on the varsity. And I was such a nerd. I was like, you had to get a cootie shot if you touched me, like not popular. And like all the like cool popular girls, there were seniors were on the varsity basketball team. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get eaten alive. But this coach talked me into joining. And anyway, it was, it was, and then she's always like Sincero, just like rebound and pass. Do not dribble, do not shoot. Don't do anything fancy. Cause I was so uncoordinated, just like loping up and down the court. And I really, I mean, I was the tallest person in like nine counties. So we were like went to state that year. But anyway, so she talked me into that. I was miserable. I hated it. And then she also talked me into dressing up as Big Bird for field day. Like she could talk me into anything. Basically, it's on. It's a chapter on how powerful words are. And I was like, if you don't think words are powerful, you never knew my coach. So I finally stood up to her. And um, after the Big Bird debacle, I uh, did not rejoin the basketball team. But um, man, she could talk me into anything. So you gave Just a her little the story about how powerful your words are so that you really got to watch them like bitching about your friends so that your boyfriend um suggests murder things like that <laughs> yeah. you, you just may want to do an awareness session to why do i keep attracting to people like chris voss and uh i advise everyone to do that <laughs> maybe explore your childhood what, what happened with your father and stuff like that i right. remember I remember I used to have some friends that own strip clubs and they'd be like, you know, if it wasn't for bad parenting, we'd be out of a job. So, you know, I think, I think it's interesting to me. A lot of stuff comes from childhood, childhood childhood trauma and everything. Um, Part of your brain. Like you, you literally have a soft spot and all of their thoughts and beliefs and, you know, decisions about the way reality is, they just get, they just go right in that little soft spot. And they build in those patterns like we talk about where yeah. we're not aware of them. And then we have these rules and you're like, where do these rules come from? And it's like, right. well, our childhood. Thanks, dad, mom. Way to go. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Let's just blame your parents for everything. I'm 53. I'm still blaming my parents for everything. It's their fault. I spilled my coffee today. It's my mom's fault. Really? Seriously. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, give us some plugs on the book, Jen, so people can go look them up on the interwebs. Okay. It, uh, this one is Badass Habits. Uh, and again, my website is youareabadass.com, jensincero.com. I'm on a little virtual tour, right? I don't know when is this airing. Uh, probably the next 24 hours. Oh, wow. That's speedy. Yeah, so I'm on a book tour. So you can go to jensincero.com slash events and sign up for um, one of those virtual book tours. And you can come in your pajamas, which is so nice. I love- there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, so check out her book and her books, guys. Jeez, it's four, four in a series, five books she's written. Actually, six, Chris. Six, I'm sorry. My, yeah, my bad. Okay. Listen. My bad there. Uh, six books. She she wrote one while we were on the show. That's how I got confused. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's prolific. She's that prolific. I, I love people that write books. They're so brilliant. They spend so many hours researching stuff. And we learn so much from them. Uh, so buy her book and her books, if you will. Uh, the book is out now. It just barely got released. Badass Habits. Cultivate the awareness, boundaries, and daily upgrades you need to make them stick. You may want to check out those 21 points she has and uh, give you that sort of uh, life lesson that you need to have because those will, you know, 21 days, you know, you can get, you can get uh, those habits uh, cemented, if you will. Uh, thanks for being on the show with us, Jen. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. This was a blast.
This is fun. Uh, yeah. Go to uh, all the different websites to order her book and also go to goodreads.com for just Chris Foss. Hit that. Uh, you can just, there's no bell notification there. YouTube.com. There is a bell notification. It is free for an unlimited time. Hit that upgrade. It's like an upgrade. It'll make you feel really good. You press the button, gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling and the annoying notifications. Uh, go to uh, the Chris Foss show dot com or the cbpn.com subscribe to the show tell your friends to go to facebook.com the chris foss show and linkedin of course as well over there we have some big groups um thanks for my audience for tuning in we love you stay safe wear your mask and we'll see you next time <laughs>